It's a, a real treat to be home. I've been in a lot of places the last couple of weeks. I knew it would bottleneck. I appreciate you being patient and I appreciate the good things that happened while I was gone. And uh, uh, I've been in a lot of airports and a lot of lumpy beds and motels the last couple months, but I'm very grateful to be sleeping in my own bed. And, uh, but um, it's what we do. It's the life that we have chosen. In honor for the word, would you stand one time? Appreciate this great crowd. First service, there was a great crowd. There's all these rooms are being used right now. There's not a room in this building that isn't used for at least two and many of them three different situations and three different ministries and disciplines. And so um, Draylon is ministering. I forget where Draylon is now. Uh, I know uh, John and Talisha there in New Orleans ministering today. And uh, I just got a call for Ryan to help with a, with a worship service. And so I appreciate the, the, the way this team has been not only so good here, but the way they've ministered in so many different places. And I appreciate Lauren and the others that keep this thing going when Draylon is not here. And, and Pastor Mike and John and others keep things, keep the store open while I'm not here. And so we want to make sure that you're taken care of. Jesus said, occupy till I come. And it basically means uh, do business till I show up. So we're going to do our best to keep the store open until Jesus comes. And then uh, the last one out, turn out the lights, okay? And uh, John chapter 12. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. So in response to an abnormal amount of request in the last month, I'm just going to teach you a couple lessons simply on Jesus. This is Jesus, lesson one. God bless you, you may be seated. Jesus is the ultimate ology. Ology comes from the Greek word logos, which... Uh, Probably the best word we get out of that in English is logic. And, um, but I, I've always felt that my two prominent gifts were being a teacher and being a pastor. And I'm here to teach you today. Because if a pastor doesn't teach its church, then the church will not be approved of God. Paul taught Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So I don't want to be ashamed and I sure don't you don't want you to ever be ashamed. So, so we teach. And uh, there's a lot of ologies in this world. Anthropology is the study of man, biology, study of life. Criminology is when you study the crooks. Astrology, study the stars, trying to make predictions. Psychology, study of the mind. This world has turned to psychics, science, doctors, prescriptions, higher learning, alternative lifestyles. They'll, they'll try everything. I am here today to preach to you that Jesus is the only remedy for sin. The only remedy. The Muslims 
took Mecca. Catholics have taken Rome. The Mormons dominate Salt Lake City. The Seventh-day Adventists have Loma Linda, California. Church of Christ has Breckenridge, Tennessee. Church of God has got Cleveland, Tennessee. Scientology has Clearwater, Florida. The gangbangers have Los Angeles. The gamblers have Las Vegas. The confused have San Francisco and the mafia's got Chicago. Why can't the apostolics have a city? Why can't we have a place that is not known for the graft and the corruption and the vice, but that's a place where a lot of one God, Jesus name believers choose to call home. That's what we want because the ultimate ology is not the study of crime or stars or trying to determine when man became a biped. The ultimate ology is the study of Jesus because the systems of this world, ladies and gentlemen, cannot be repaired. Today, the elected thieves that we call politicians seem to me not to be scrambling for the good of the people, but constantly playing political brinkmanship and testing the wind and maneuvering for who will get the best poll numbers. And when all this is over, they so hope to evict whoever is in the White House and they can be there. My grandpa used to say, politicians are like bananas. He said, they're all yellow. He said, they hang together and are in a straight one in a bunch. And I guess I've come to that point right now. I'm tired of it. It's like good milk that's gone sour. And it's just without divine intervention, things are not going to be repaired. This world doesn't need rehab, ladies and gentlemen. We need reborn. We need reborn. We need reborn. The Bible said in the book of Romans, the creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's not talking about people on that verse. It's talking about the planet. The planet is groaning. I think that's why as you get closer to the coming of the Lord, there'll be more and more earthquakes. I think that's why there'll be... the. There is an island in the Pacific Ocean that is basically a result of the last tsunami that was in Japan. Some say it'll never reach uh, the, the shores of California because of the way the tides are in Pacific. Others gloomily and doomly claim that it will beach and breach that land one day. And if it does, it will be the greatest ecological disaster this country has ever known. I... Uh, I moved into a new house recently and, and uh, drilled a well and, uh, and I just got the, the, the water samples back last week from the EPA and they said, Mr. Hoffman, get city water as quick as you can because you have an abnormal level of arsenic in your water and uh, you don't wanna, I like hot sauce, but not hot arsenic, okay? And uh, it's just, uh, Somewhere years ago, they buried a bunch of stuff in there and it got in the aquifers and it's in the rivers and the, the, the air's dirty. The, the, the oceans are full of plastic. The, uh, this planet is groaning. Where's, where's the church? Where's the church? Because Malachi has a verse that said, let the bride come out of her closet. The gays have done it. The lesbians have done it. The transgenders have done it. 
The binaries are doing it. For goodness sakes, it's time for the church to come out of her closet and declare very plainly that we are the church of the mighty God and we're not going away. I just, I, 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 I am convinced that we need to take a little time to study the science of Jesus. So for a couple days now, I want you to put on your lab coat and we'll break out the Bunsen burners and, and the test tubes and let's, let's, let's test him out for the next couple of weeks because if you read this Bible, Jesus will make God knowable to you. He can make sin remittable. He can make joy obtainable. He can make heaven reachable. He can make holiness reasonable and can make Christianity practical. I want to have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Solomon said, buy the truth and sell it not. To many apostolics, the truth is Acts 2.38. But there's nowhere in the Bible that makes that claim. The truth, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a doctrinal position. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's a scripture in the book of Thessalonians and it says, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. There's two powerful things that speak to me out of those verses. The, 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 the first one is, if you want to believe something that's wrong bad enough, he'll help you. He's the truth. If you choose to walk away from him and choose to believe something that's error and are adamant about your stance, it says God will send you a delusion that you'll believe a lie. The second thing that's so powerful to me here is that people didn't receive a love of the truth. Do you realize it was one God people that killed Jesus? They had a great doctrinal position but they had no concept of who he really was. A woman one time followed one of the early apostles and said, these are the men of the most high God. Whatever they say you need to do. And he turned around and cast the devil out of her. So there was nothing wrong with what she was saying. Her, her doctrine was excellent, but her spirit was wrong. That's why the Bible said God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible said the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Truth is right information. The spirit is right attitude. We've got to be more than just Acts 2.38 people. We've got to be people of the spirit. We've got to be spirit people of the life. Don't just keep screaming, I have the truth. I have the truth and have a rotten attitude. I've known Pentecostals for years that to me act like seven mother-in-laws moved in with them last week. I've been criticized for saying it, but I still believe it. I'd rather, I'd rather work with people who can be taught about the error of their doctrine and have a great attitude than the people who are so adamant about their doctrine and have a rotten attitude. It's just, I, I, attitude is so preeminent and so powerful. And I think that's why Jesus talked about the pearl because he said the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man 
seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. That he, he, once you purchase the truth, you throw away that sign that says for sale by owner. The original word for buy it means to acquire it, to invest it, to own it. But the only way to get it is to get Jesus. He didn't say, I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'll teach you the truth. He said, I am the truth. And since this is the case, you don't trade it for anything. You don't trade it for a relationship with a girl or a boy or finances or prestige. When you're baptized in his name, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got the truth. Love the truth. Don't be those people who didn't receive a love of the truth. Don't talk to me about God and fail to mention Jesus. There is no intelligent talk about God without, I try, I've tried to show you, say, you know, believing in God, but not believing in Jesus is, is, is like believing in rock, but you don't believe in stone. Believing in Nashville, but you don't believe in country music. And on a personal note to the men of this church, you say you believe in God and not Jesus is like believing in Oreos without the chocolate cookies on the outside because Oreos are chocolate. They're not vanilla on the outside and in the middle. The vanilla's on the middle. You got that? There's a lot of music. I've loved music, all different venues and distinctions of music. But the difference between music and great music is that great music will always include Jesus. Study all you want in the Bible, but there is no effective study of the Bible that excludes Jesus Christ. Listen to this verse in 17 of Luke. Two men, two women rather, shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, where, what, where, Lord? And he said, wheresoever the body is, that's where the eagles will be gathered together. I haven't done it for a couple years, but I had a tradition of every July taking a week and going with men from this church and going fishing way, way north up into Canada. We would drive, I don't know, seems, we usually leave here one or two in the morning. We, we, we get there about noon or one o'clock and we load up our gear in a boat and we'd go for another hour or more to get to this. It's really just a rock. It's a little island. It's got this modest cabin on it. And uh, they told us that when you, when you dress your fish, don't leave the innards around the cabin because of all the bears. And so we, uh, we'd take all the, the insides of the fish and we had a rock. It's about 500 yards from the cabin. And, and we'd sit on the porch while two of the men would take the, that, that bag of gooey stuff out there to that rock. And it, it always amazed me. There's so many times before those men could ever get back to the dock. I'm talking 500 yards here from here to, 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 to the street out there. It, it's just before those men could get back to the dock, the eagles are already there. And in just a matter of moments, they're down there sticking their head in all that goo. How, it's not smell. 
It's just this amazing eyesight that they have. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know how, if you went back in my library in the office, I, I, I've never counted them, but I have stacks of books that I've accumulated through the years on prophecy. And without exception, Every, so they're, they're trying to answer this question, when? When is Jesus coming back? I, I was in Mississippi recently and I threw some men a curveball and told them I had a pretty good idea when Jesus was coming. Boy, I had them all in the palm of my hand, you know. And uh, I've said some of this to you before. You, there are seven festivals, seven feasts of Jehovah that are in Leviticus 23. Passover is the first one. Jesus was crucified on the very day the Jews celebrated Passover. The day after Passover is unleavened bread. Jesus was in the grave. No leaven, no yeast, nothing rises. That's why he couldn't resurrect on the day after he was crucified. Because he said, as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale... So shall the son of man be three days in the heart of the earth. Another time he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will resurrect it. Why? Because the third feast is called first fruits. It's why in Corinthians 15 on two occasions it refers to Jesus as the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus honored Passover with the cross. He, on the day the Jews celebrated unleavened bread, he's in the grave. On the day the Jews celebrate first fruits, he resurrects from the dead. On the day of Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So in my way of thinking, there's seven festivals, but for the first four, he's done something on that very day. And the fifth festival is called trumpets. So I believe, I believe he's coming in the fall. I believe he's coming... I, I do. I, I just, if you ask me, I mean, and I, I got a one in four chance here, you know, that's good odds in a casino. Uh, I, you, got, you got spring, summer, fall, winter. I, I believe he's coming in the fall. He's got to come one, one of these months, he's got to come. One of these seasons, he's got to come. If you ask me which one, I think he's coming in the fall. Uh, but, 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 but you got to understand that trumpets is always celebrated in September and uh, September's just about gone. So uh, he better come in the next couple of days or I'm going to have to push it ahead to another year. And uh, when I say stuff like that, man, there are people, some, some laugh, some shake their head and agree with me. Others say I'm, I'm, I'm out of my mind. But, but, but I'm telling you, if you want to get the, the, the curiosity of a crowd picked very quickly, you just talk about when Jesus is coming. But notice what happens here in, 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 in Luke 17. Two women are going to be working. One turns around and, and, and the other one's gone. Two men are in the field and one turns around and, and there's a lifeless rake between the beans, you know, where his pal used to be. Look, look what, look what the, those disciples asked Jesus. They did not ask him, when is this going to happen? But they said, where? Where, Lord? And he said, wherever the carcass is, that's where the eagles will be. And what Jesus was saying was, just as sure as the eagles can find a carcass in the wilderness, I'm coming back and I'm going to be able to locate my church 
And so what is the question, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to answer is not when is Jesus coming back, but rather where should we be when he comes back? And the answer to that is you have to be in the body. You have to be in the body. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's why the body of Christ is so powerful. He's not coming back for me or you or any other Lone Ranger. He's coming back for men and women who have the understanding that I need to be a part of the kingdom and I need to be a part of the body of Christ. Because, do you know, I, 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 I've, I've lived long enough that I've heard just about everything. I've, I've heard about the Trilateral Commission. I've heard about the, 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 the Bilderbergers. I've heard about the Masons. I've heard about the all-seeing eye on the back of the dollar bill. I've heard about the barcodes, the implanted chips, the designer 666 tattoos, that supposed com- computer in Brussels, Belgium, they call the beast. I, 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 I saw Henry Kissinger called the, the, the Antichrist. I saw Mikhail Gorbachev called the Antichrist. I, I remember when a, a rocket scientist from NASA wrote a book in 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. I have a very good friend with a large church who locked the whole church in, in, in the building for three days. But Jesus didn't come back in 1988. And after three days, they were hungry. So they all went to eat at his favorite place, Burger King. That's his favorite place to eat. He, he, he fed them all Burger King. And, uh, you know, and, and then the man that wrote the book, very sincere man, he said, I made a mistake. I realized there is no such thing as zero in time. And so I, I, I was off by a year. So he wrote another book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1989. And then I lived through the Y2 fiasco that all the computers were not programmed to go past the year of 2000 and all of the power grids were going to fall and you need to buy Army's candles and you need to get a bunch of beans because you keep beans and rice in your basement forever. And then that came and went. And then I saw the Mayan calendar and on and on and on. Listen, what, listen, what revelation says, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Now, if you're not ready to serve, you're not serving God. It ought to scare you slap to death. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I, I, I've always considered myself a, a half full kind of guy and I've always tried to be optimistic. But when it comes to this world, I am not optimistic. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it's not going to get any better. It's going to keep on going downhill. That's why you need to be a part of the kingdom. Because of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. If you're not in a church, hang on, buddy, and button your chin strap because it's going to be a hard duty assignment. But if you're in the kingdom, it says of the increase of his government and all I see is fear, which is the absence of peace. But if you're in the kingdom, it says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That's a great selling point for being in the body of Christ right now because there's just people all over the place scared, slapped to death. And it's just, there is no intelligent talk about prophecy if it doesn't end up with Jesus. You wanna study God, that's theos. Study theology, but you need, to, you need to sharpen your skills and study something called Christology. I am here to tell you that the apostolic message is right. We're right, we're right on Jesus' name baptism. 
There's no more biblically documented doctrine in the Bible than water baptism by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can't see that, you're blind as a bat. For goodness sakes, I'll give you a million bucks if you can tell them, show me anywhere in that Bible where anybody ever accepted Jesus as their savior and they were saved or anybody was baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I was in a large church this, this week and, and, I, and I saw a, a, a baptismal font and I asked the man, do you baptize by immersion? Yes, we do. I said, well, how do you baptize? Oh, he said, we, we do it all. We baptize the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. He said, we check all the boxes. And it was like, well, okay. But I, I, I'm, I'm glad I understand that the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. There's no Bible. There's no Bible for anybody ever being baptized in Father, Son. They were baptized, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. There's only four places in the Bible where people are baptized by immersion after the outpouring of the Spirit. They're all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why squabble with that? Why fight with that? Why don't you embrace that? Make your peace calling and election sure so that when you read that Bible, you can say, I did it just exactly like they did in Jerusalem, like the eunuch did, like Cornelius did, like the believers in Ephesus did. I did it exactly. You want to find that in the Bible. You don't want to have to make that stuff up. Our stance on being filled with the Holy Spirit and expecting people to speak with tongues is right. Read the book of James. The most difficult part of your body to control is your tongue. How can you legitimately say God is in complete control of my life if he's never controlled the most difficult thing to control, your faculty of speech? That, ladies and gentlemen, is real power. That, ladies and gentlemen, is your vessel being filled and it coming out of that orifice and you magnify your creator in another language. That is a display, a prominent display of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That's what we're after. Not rehab. Reborn. Reborn. I was in a place one time years ago and, 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 the, and the pastor was in trouble and I knew he was in trouble. And he came in to the office before I was speaking at that church and he said, I have a message from the Lord for you. He said, Brother Hoffman. And I said, well, if it's from God, I want to hear it, you know. And he said, I just want you to know that you're never going to have a successful ministry if you don't learn to become culturally relevant. And if you don't learn to relate to this culture better than you are, you are going to damn and doom and condemn yourself to just having a very myopic and a short-sighted ministry. That man no sooner walked. I said, thank you very much. I appreciate you being, I believe he was sincere. But as soon as he walked out, I read this in the message and it says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God wants to bring the best out of you and develop well-formed maturity in you. What he's saying is don't you let this world drag you down to their level. You lift this world up to yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm on a tear right now because I'm upset with people who have taken the word disgrace and turned grace into disgrace. That, that you know, grace is, is the mercy of God and he'll just overlook everything. Let me tell you what the Bible said. There was a time that God winked at stuff, but God ain't winking right now. His eyes are wide open and he commands everyone everywhere to repent. That's what it says. The Bible says in Titus, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching them, teaching them to deny ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the soon appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God is not mercy. Grace is divine assistance that'll help you live into it. God is not asking us to have revival. He's going to help us. He, did, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. You can't be holy without the Holy One inside of you. I'm telling you that grace is a teacher. Grace is not mercy. God, grace is not myopic blinders. It's nothing like that whatsoever. But the grace of God, I've heard people say grace started at Calvary. Really? Well, let me give you another verse. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord a long time before there was ever a Calvary. I'm convinced God's been helping people for a long time. And since he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. I want you to understand something. God is still here willing to help us. If we're willing to have the faith and believe, amen, that he's on my side and wants to lift me into another realm and another strata. Anybody that tells you that behavior has nothing to do with spiritual status, Ladies and gentlemen, nothing could be further from the truth because the Bible still makes a distinction between sheep and goats, wheat and tares, good fish and bad fish, wise oil-filled virgins and foolish empty ones. It makes a distinction between things that are blessed and things that are cursed, between holy and profane, between pigs and pearls. The Bible said in Corinthians 11, there must be heresy among you in order that that which is approved may be made manifest. In other words, there has to be error. There has to be falsehoods because that'll make the truth shine even brighter. If you've ever been to a jewelry store, let me tell you about diamonds. They don't put diamonds on yellow velvet. They don't put diamonds on white velvet. They put diamonds against black velvet, against deep, deep purple velvet because it allows those facets to shimmer and to shine. And I'm telling you, the darker this world gets, he said, I'm going to come together up my jewels. I'm telling you, the diamond of the church is shining brighter now than it's ever been before. I'm not afraid of the phony. I'm not afraid of the fakes. There has to be heresy in order that that which is accurate and which is approved would be made manifest. So don't be full of despair and say this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. Yeah, that is, but this is right. This is right. I had a friend call me yesterday and he said, someone just got a hold of him and said, I will, I'm with a group of people right now and they're saying really terrible stuff about you. And he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Hang up your phone and wait until they start saying good things about me and then call me back. <laughs> this world has AIDS. Acquired intelligence deficiency syndrome. I've been in a lot of funerals in the last 40 years. Everybody wants to go to heaven. 
And then I guess you get in the Bible, I guess everybody does go to heaven. It's just everybody don't get to stay. There is going to be a judgment. That's at the New Jerusalem as far as I can see. I think they're going to be able to see what they could have had. If everybody's going to heaven, then what good is a judgment? I, 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 people want Jesus, but they, 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 they want him to be whatever they want when they want that. There's even a deluded bunch of people that, 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 that want God without believing in Christ. We have an entire religion in this world that has made the cross bigger than the Christ that hung on the cross. Don't go doing this if you don't have a real living relationship with Jesus. Amen. I remember when we built this building, the architect said, well, where are you going to have a cross? I said, I don't want a cross. He, he thought that was blasphemy. You don't want a cross in the church? No. I said, well, how about we just put a big old hole in the wall? And he said, what do you mean? I said, like the empty tomb. I said, don't you understand? Romans killed thousands of people on the cross. There are people who think I'm blasphemous when I say this. And, and, and I realize Jesus was sinless. But I want you to understand something. There were lots and lots and lots of people other than Jesus that died on the cross. The thing that makes this thing so powerful is not the cross. It's the resurrection from the dead. And I've I got to qualify this because this is going everywhere. Man, I get, and to all of you precious people that are listening to me online, if these messages bless you, and if they encourage you, and if they convict you, then how about you sending an offering to this place and help us keep this thing going? Okay? Don't just sit there and take advantage of everything we do and don't give us a dime. I'm not a money preacher, but I want to touch the world. And there's no, without a vision, people perish. And without money, the vision perishes. Help us. Partner with us. If you've got a home church, great. Go to your home church. Tie to that church. But send us an offering. Help us. Help us. I won't keep a dime of it. I don't want a dollar of it in my pocket. But we've got to get this message out. I want the influence of this church to be felt around the world. Oh, Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Why do you feel that way? Why? I'll tell you why I feel that way. Because sin is a disease. It's a disease. Amen. But can you go to the Mayo Clinic and get an operation for it? Can you go to John Hopkins and get a bypass for it? Can, can somebody, can you go to CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta and ask him, do you happen to have an anti-venom for sin? This world has a solution for everything else, but they have no solution for sin. If this was a money problem, then the bank would finance it. If it was a legal problem, call Sam and he'd be able to litigate it. You know, he'd be, if this was ignorance, we could educate it. If this was physical, we could medicate it. But none of these disciplines are going to work. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can't separate the blood from the name. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Leviticus 17, 11 says life is in the blood. But it doesn't say that in the New Testament. It says life is in the name. John 20 and 31. If you have the name, you have life. If you have life, you have blood. If you have blood, according to Hebrews 9 and 22, you have remission. If you have remission, then Jesus Christ got Alzheimer's. And he is God alone, amen, can literally forget 
who you were. Only God can really, really forgive and forget. But if you don't have the name, you can't have life. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. You get it? If you have the name, you have life. If you have life, you have blood. If you have blood, you got remission. But no name, no life. No life, no blood. No blood, no remission. No remission, nothing changed. The blood is in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why in Acts chapter five, they, 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 they took it to the disciples and said, didn't we straightly command you not to preach or teach in this man's name? Do you intend to bring his blood on this city? Absolutely, because that's the only way we're gonna be able to bring blood on the city is by preaching and teaching the name. That's revelatory because he died 2,000 years ago. But the only legal liquid that can deal with sin is blood. How do you access the blood today? The blood's in the name. And that's why this, uh, the, the scripture says, the blood and water agree. That when that old priest took that blood on his hands and feet and washed at that laver, that blood was mixed with the water which was a picture of you being baptized because it's just water until the name of Jesus is called out. And then the detergent of the blood that's in the name agrees with the water. And all of a sudden it's the greatest bath you've ever had in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been in hundreds, maybe thousands of church services in my lifetime. I've heard money messages Praise messages, hate messages. I've heard dumb messages. I've heard smart sounding messages. I want to hear a Jesus message. I don't want to come to church and see flesh. I don't want to see unconsecrated talent on a stage. This is not a stage. This is an altar. This is where we offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. God help me if we ever get to the point to where we're parading unconsecrated talent in front of you just to give you a good show. I don't want that. I want a Jesus church. I want to hear a Jesus message. I want to hear some Jesus music. I want to feel the spirit of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Ophiology, ladies and gentlemen, is the study of snakes and serpents. But if you miss that snake that was more subtle than any beast of the field in Genesis 3, your education is not complete. If you miss that serpent in Revelation 12 called the devil, Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. I don't care how, how good you are at ophiology. You missed the real snake that you needed to learn about. Cosmology is the study of the universe. That's great. But if you miss this verse in Hebrews 11, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made out of things which do appear. The Bible said he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. If you don't understand that, I don't care how much you understand about the universe. You miss the fact that God is the great creator. Amen. And he calls things that are not as though they are. 
Geology is the study of rocks. But if you miss this verse in Psalms, that he is the rock of my salvation. That verse in Samuel that said, there's no rock like our rock. That verse that says we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Ladies and gentlemen, he was the stone of offense. Amen. That the builders rejected, but now has become the head of the corner. I don't care how much you know about rocks, but you know the rock of your salvation. Do you know Jesus? That's what we're after. I went to seminary. I went to, I memorized scripture. I learned Koine Greek. I can read Koine Greek. I know a lot of Hebrew. I, I, I learned homiletics. I learned hermeneutics. I learned apologetics. I studied theology, eschatology, demonology, soteriology. I learned just about every ology they could have in the, in, in the Bible school world. But you see, it's not enough if you don't have some Jesusology, some Christology. We are the church, the ecclesiastical the called out ones. And if anyone wants to be called out of sin and saved, then you better get a degree in Jesus. Stand with me. Stand with me and let's clap our hands and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the peace in my house. Thank you for the peace in my heart. Thank you, God, that you troubled my storm and you commanded the wind to go away and the waves have died down in my life. I thank you, Lord. Amen. I gave you my daddy a couple days ago and I know that underneath are the everlasting arms and I'm so grateful to have the hope and the promise that I can put my loved ones in the hands of a loving Lord in the name of Jesus today. I ask you, God, to let that be contagious in this congregation. Dear Lord, don't let us ever get used to it. Don't let us ever take it for granted. Don't ever let church be ho-hum. I'm asking you, Lord, we cannot afford the luxury of one dead service. It's got to be life. It's got to be worship. It's got to be with revelatory understanding that Jesus has done something for me that nobody else could ever do. Hallelujah. 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 Come with me around this altar. Let's end this service around this altar. Amen. Amen. You that are watching at home. Amen. My precious brothers in Canada. My precious sisters in Canada, amen. Wherever you may be right now, amen. Lift your hands with us, amen. I know it's not ideal. I know you're not in this room right now, but I believe the same God that's in this room can be in and is in your living room right now and wherever it is that you're watching and listening to this thing right now. Oh, Jesus, bypass, bypass the hurdles and the obstacles of time and distance and travel and do something mighty and magnificent and the lives of people that have taken the time to listen to this thing and watch this thing today. Lord, let us send something out of this congregation right now. Let us send something and dispatch something from this congregation and this sanctuary right now. Touch people, touch people, impact people in the name of Jesus. These precious people are gonna sing. I invite you to sing with us, amen. But most of all, turn your prayers into praise and lift your hands and reach out to a saving Jesus that's in this room right now. You've heard his word, you're around his people, you sense his spirit. Now you wanna get what's on the outside on the inside, amen. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done, amen, amen.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good tonight. 